Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good morning. It is great to have each and every one of you here to join us. I'm not used to, to this bigger crowd here. I have a, uh, a lot more extra than we've had, and uh, I'm grateful for that. And uh, just getting the air this morning, there's something different going on around here. I, I come up here and I've moved up to the grown-ups podium now uh, that I can speak of, and I get to speak in front of all this beautiful mountain scenery. Uh, behind me, I feel like I've traveled, yet I haven't gone anywhere. Uh, this morning. So uh, for those who haven't been uh, in this class, uh, just a a brief statement about what we're covering. This class is on the life of David, and uh, we are looking at David and examining him as the biblical description of him as a man after God's own heart. And we are trying to look at him and picture him as a as he really was, and trying to draw application into our own lives, how we also can live in such a way as to be described as people after God's own heart. And so in this class, we have been stepping through David's life, not consecutively, as historically, but as topics, as topically. Uh, so we talked about different aspects of David. We talked about the courage that he had as a soldier. We've talked about... Uh, the prophet that he was and the prophecy that he could give. We've talked about him uh, as a uh, a sovereign, as a ruler. And right now we are in the middle of talking with him as a singer and the cheerful heart that he had. And we are taking a look at the Psalms right now. If you would, please turn to Psalm chapter 22. That's where we're going to start this morning. David described himself in 2 Samuel 23 as the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote and composed many of the psalms that we have in the book of Psalms. Last week we were talking about them, and uh, we were discussing the songs of praise uh, that David wrote, uh, praise to God as creator, and uh, we talked about, um, pointed to some specific ones, but also how David influences us today, even now, uh, and songwriters even now that take themes that David wrote about and we put them into our songs or sometimes take the exact words David wrote and, and rearrange them and compose them into a tune. We brought up the example of Hallelujah Praise Jehovah last week. How it's taken directly from Psalm 148. Uh, and so as I, as I said last week, it's not often that I get to bring a songbook to class with me, but I will utilize this uh, while we're going through some of the psalms. I want to bring up Songs that David wrote right now as songs of prophecy. If you've been in here the last two weeks, we've been talking a lot about prophecy, uh, hearing what David wrote. I want to go to a few other ones that we hadn't covered. Some of the prophecy that he gave was written in song, and he would sing about the future. Psalm 22 is an example of that. Uh, Verse 1 in this psalm should be very familiar to all of us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We saw Jesus quote this himself while he was hanging on the cross. And this psalm is sometimes called the crucifixion psalm because it describes various things that Jesus endured 
uh, while they're on the cross. So uh, verse 18 that is here. Um, well, I'll start with 16. We'll go through 18. Dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So we see this passage directly cited in the New Testament at the crucifixion. If you look at John chapter 19, verses 23 through 24, this is talking about dividing the garments. The soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. The scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. In songs that we have that we sing, the crucifixion and Jesus' sacrifice is one of the topics that comes up regularly. Even this incident about the garments that David wrote about also comes up in song. I'm going to quote from uh, the song Robe of Calvary uh, here. Uh, Let me see. Okay, so in the middle of the first verse. Soldiers gambled for his garment while the sun turned dark above. But the men who crucified him were forgiven by his love. So we see that uh, the themes that even David was prophesying a thousand years before Christ came to this earth, we sing even today in songs uh, based on what he said and what actually took place there. The second and last psalm that I want to go to is Psalm 2. We didn't bring this one up uh, either earlier, but I tell you. This, I consider this whole psalm to be messianic in nature. Different parts of this psalm are quoted at different places in the New Testament. Three different parts of it are. I want to focus on the first two verses here, though. So listen to this here. Why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So this was a prophecy that was describing what was taking place at the crucifixion with Jesus Christ. Peter brought this out in Acts chapter 4 in that lesson he was giving there. And you look at what he says in verse 24 to 28. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David, have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Now here goes the explanation. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, Jew and Gentile, all the nations talked about here, We're gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So then again, we have here another messianic psalm, a a prophetic statement written in psalm uh, that David has here telling what was to happen. 
And of course, as we as Christians today, in, uh, in the songs that we sing, we look forward to a glorious future, uh, don't we? And uh, we love singing, I love singing about what's to come in the future, right? When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. When the roll is called up yonder, singing about the pearly white city. So this is an important thing for us as well uh, in song, to look to, to the future and to those things that are promised to us and to reflect on them as well. All right, we'll move on from that topic. I next want to go to Psalm 32, if you would turn there. Another topic that David wrote in his psalms was that of repentance, songs of penitence. And, uh, uh, and these are among his most famous ones. It's amazing how this topic that David wrote about and expressed his emotion. Remember, David was a man of great feeling. And uh, he would write this, and people continue to go and to, and to go back to um, these passages. First two verses of David, listen to these statements. Aren't these great to reflect on? Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whom whose spirit there is no deceit. The good news, the forgiveness of sins. How I like to think on that and dwell on it. How much I need to think and dwell on that. Sometimes I, I go to God and uh, I ask for his forgiveness. But it may be hard for me to feel that way because I haven't forgiven myself inside of me. And yet I can go to the word of God and what is said and to confirm those statements that my transgression is forgiven. And I'm blessed because of that. Paul reflected on this too in Romans chapter 4, directly citing this passage in the New Testament. Um, in verses 6 through 8, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. Um, so this topic, of course, reflected in the Psalms, people go to that in order to get encouragement in situations, to know that our sins are forgiven, to come to God. Boy, is that not a topic that we talk about in song a lot? Makes me think of the song, Sinners Jesus Will Receive. The this, this same theme is found in this verse as, well, verse as well. Sinners Jesus will receive, sound this word of grace to all, who the heavenly pathway leave, all who linger, all who fall. Especially this fourth verse in here. Christ receiveth sinful men, even me, with all my sin, purged from every spot and stain, heaven with him I enter in. But this isn't the only psalm that David talks about this. Probably one of the most famous psalms that he wrote, and one that we would have to go to, is Psalm 51. And it is believed that this specific psalm is um, written after David had had his sins with Bathsheba and with the murder of Uriah. And in, in coming to God, this was the words that he penned. And uh, we'll take a reflect on this on verses 7 through 12. When we get to talking about David as a sinner and talk about the penitent heart that he had, and we go in detail, we'll reflect deeper on this psalm. Uh, but uh, starting with verse 7, listen to these words. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Whiter than snow. How many songs we've had have used that phrase uh, in them? Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David liked to sing about joy in the Psalms, but here his joy had been lost. He's looking to have that joy restored. And uphold me by your generous spirit. So this is another example not only where David has influenced songwriters in the themes in which he has talked about, he's influenced them by the very words. I know a lot of young people in here know that song, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, which is words are taken directly from this passage uh, that um, David wrote here. Um, Again, the theme of sins and coming to God with them and asking for his forgiveness is just stated over and over again. Uh, In the Bible, it's in the songs that we have, and that's because we as human beings need that from him. So... Uh, consider the song, I bring my sins to thee, the sins I cannot count, that all may cleansed be, and thy once opened fount. I bring them, Savior, all to thee, the burden is too great for me. The burden is too great for me. Being able to repeat uh, the words to that song. Sometimes when we are singing and reflecting on things that stir our emotions so much, like in asking for forgiveness and Release from guilt and sorrow, we repeat ourselves over and over. It's not just being repetitious, it reflects the emotions and desires that we have inside of us. Uh, another one that's kind of like that uh, is uh, that we sing here sometimes Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. This songbook is too new, I can't flip the pages in it as quickly as I can mine. Uh, my Bible, but anyway. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind, in pure lives thy service find, in deeper reverence praise. And of course, one more I can think of, and one that's sung as an invitation. Probably more people have come forward to this particular song than any other one I can think of, but the song, Just As I Am, you reflect on the words of that song as well, uh, and the meaning that they have. So, here's David was a person who was, uh, had a singing heart, and penitence was one of the themes that he would sing about. And his example is an example that we should reflect in our lives today. Now, I want to step aside just a second here and, and reflect that uh, for those of you who hadn't been in this class, I like to say that I don't like hearing myself talk a lot. And in the last two weeks, I've really heard myself talk a lot. Um, and the topics that we have had to cover. So I'm going to step aside. Please, anybody have any questions or comments? I'd, I'd take them now. Any thoughts that you'd like to share? Um, um, anything. Don't be intimidated by the numbers here. Yes. That's true. And everything you did, God still Yes. That is a big point to reflect on. You had this sin with Bathsheba. There's a couple of other ones, too, uh, that are listed later. And yet God was willing to take him. And David was willing to seek it. 
return. That's a big thing. That's a topic we're going to be going over later in this class uh, in more detail. Anyone else? James. So he's pointing at the theme, one of the more recent uh, songs, uh, uh, Light the Fire, uh, talking about a, um, that same theme as David is uh, talking about making me whole, one of the lines in it. Um, so yeah, so anyone else? See it there, verse five. That's a little bit off uh, from. Well, it's it, it's. Um, you have to be careful the way that some translations translate that verse um, and bring out original sin um, as a teaching there. So, good point on that, Jerry. Um, so, all right, I've got comments, uh, several of them. I'll continue asking that to pull more uh, out. I, I treat I, I treat silence as a challenge uh, when I hear it. So. Um, one other area that I want to take a look at in the Psalms in regards to David is that not only did he do these songs of praise, of penitence, songs of prophecy that look toward the future, he also did songs of prayers as well. Turn to Psalm 141. Verses 1 through 4. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Well, that's a theme you see in Revelation, too, describing prayers. Lifting up my, my hands as the evening sacrifice. Prayer of sacrifice there. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Verse 8. But my eyes are upon you, O Lord God the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. That's one example. The next psalm, Psalm 142, provides another example here, verses 1 through 2. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Verse 7. Well, I'll just go verse 6. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me and you shall deal bountifully with me. So we can see here David in writing the Psalms and in what he would sing, he was not afraid to make requests before God either. Um, so I want to throw out a question. As Christians, in some of the songs we sing in our songbook, can the songs be looked at and the words to them as prayers to God? Can anybody think of one? 
That's one of them that I was thinking rather. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee. Uh, so uh, that's one of them. Okay, songs asking for forgiveness, requesting that. That is uh, another th- one. Mm-hmm. There's the, the other one I was thinking of there. So yeah, yeah. Abide with me, help of the helpless. So abide with me. I was trying to figure, remember the end of that. It was bothering me. Be with me, Lord. It's one I like to reflect on a lot, um, and I have at times when I have felt anxious or needed to know that the Lord was with me. Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without Thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need thy strength to lean myself upon. Be with me, Lord, and then if dangers threaten, if storms of trial burst above my head, if lashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart pray. Be with me, Lord, no other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow could with this one compare. A constant sense of thy abiding presence, where'er I am, to feel that thou art near. Be with me, Lord, when loneliness overtakes me, when I must weep amid the fires of pain. And when shall come the hour of my departure, for worlds unknown, O Lord, be with me then. Sometimes, when I look at through the Bible, especially some areas that talk about song and praise, Revelation's another one that's like this. I like to reflect sometimes on songs we have written in songbooks that reflect the words and the themes to. And sometimes I find it a good exercise just to open a songbook because I'm so used to singing it. And the notes that just read the words and see if the meaning doesn't jump out to you more looking at it from, in a different way. Uh, than it would have, and, and this is one of those uh, that I like to reflect on. So um, we see that as well then with those two songs. And of course, one last psalm, and one we're going to spend the rest of this class talking about, is Psalm 23, the most famous one. We've got to turn to that one. And this is a song that also you know relates to what we've been talking about, uh, about songs. This psalm has influenced songs that we sing today. Um, the Lord's My Shepherd. Uh, number 134 in this book is uh, one that comes to mind. An old song, but a song I don't think is ever going to go away uh, based on the music and the words that are there. Or the Lord my shepherd is. It's another one from time to time we sing that's there. So, oh, there's at least probably three different songs that pull their, their imagery from here. But I, I'm using this psalm to be a transition in this class too. So we, we're talking about the psalms, and, uh, and this is the last one that I want to go over. Uh, songs include expressions of adoration, honor, and praise. We've gone over those. Praise to God specifically. Reflect on different aspects of God. God's mercy, faithfulness, His word, His testimonies, His power manifested in creation. They reflect reality. They reflect love. They reflect His holiness. The point from David is that uh, with the heart that he had, the heart of a singer, the cheerful heart, this is a heart that we should imitate and we should have the singing heart that, we, that he had and that's commanded in the New Testament, Colossians 3.16. And uh, Revelation 15.3-4 talks about the song of the Moses and the song of the Lamb uh, that is there. So we as Christians can imitate it. But I want to make that point as we 
close with the Psalms. The next topic that I wanted to get to was what the theme of what Psalm 23 is going to be talking about. We're going to spend the rest of this class and class next week looking at the aspect of David as, from David as a shepherd, the compassionate heart that he had. What I plan to do, the time I have still allotted, is we're going to cover Psalm 23 in detail. Then next week, we want to look at some specific examples in David's life where his shepherd heart showed uh, interactions that he had with people that put that heart into practice and see what we can learn from there. So I'm going to read through Psalm 23, and uh, it's going to be a bit unusual. I'm going to read through this psalm three different times. It's short, so I ain't going to do that. Each time that I read it, I'm going to go through a different emphasis in it. So this first time I want to read through it, I want to focus on the Lord. This is reflected in here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay. So when we read this psalm and I'm reflecting on it, I'm trying to emphasize the relationship that's being talked about here with David and with God. Now I'm going to go through it a second time. This time I want to emphasize the possessive pronouns in here. The I's, the me's, the my's, so forth. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're talking about both ends of this relationship here. Now, what is this relationship composed of? I want to read through it a third time and this time emphasize what's taking place between the two of them. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, I think that's a good exercise to do in reading this psalm. It emphasizes different aspects uh, that are in it uh, about uh, who I'm relating to in this, putting myself into the psalm, thinking about what this means um, in it. So uh, this is talking about relationship, life with God. David, drawing on his experience as a shepherd and what a shepherd was like in there, describing his Lord as a shepherd, the comfort that we can take from that. Uh, Like David, the desire for us to have the shepherd's heart as we imitate God, as we imitate Christ the good shepherd in our lives. So it's so. let's go with the first verse, and I'll have the most time spent on this, because that first verse in there, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, is just packed, really, with a lot of meaning in such few words. I want to take the emphasis that he is describing the Lord in this psalm. Now, Israel was surrounded by many false gods, pagan gods, false idols by the nations that were around them. These gods were not David's shepherd that he's talking about. But they were idols. His relationship was that with the living God. And this is a a personal psalm that he has written. It reflects his commitment uh, between him and God. Um, The provisions that God provides. He says that the Lord is my shepherd. It's not something that is going on in the past. This is not something that he looks to the future. This is something that is presently going on. His relationship with God. Put the emphasis on my, personal, in there, right? This is a commitment. This is not just some mental assent. This is action that we're talking about here. David belongs to God. God belongs to him. David does not belong to himself. He describes the Lord as a shepherd. In saying that, David is saying he is not his own. He is God's property. He is God's follower. And he is excited about it. He, David obeys. He doesn't command. And he is compliant and submissive to God's leadership. As a Christian, God's ownership of me does not come at a small price, did it not? David describing the shepherd, you can't help but think in John chapter 10 of the words Jesus described in the imagery where he called himself, I am the good shepherd. And what he did for me did not come at no small cost. Uh, verse 11, that famous statement he made where he said, I am the good shepherd. Well, why are you, how are you the good shepherd? The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. This is what Jesus did. Um, the shepherd provides. He encourages. He sustains. That's what the shepherd does with his sheep, intending it to them. The good shepherd does. This describes our Lord and Savior. Aren't we grateful for that? As Christians, that's what we have when we have when we're talking about Jesus. At one time in my life, Satan was my shepherd. I was caught up in sin. I don't want that. I don't want to go back to there anymore. The distinctions between Jesus and between life of sin and with Satan are and who leads me is very stark. With Jesus. I have leadership. 
I can look to. With Satan, I have tyranny. With Jesus, we have love. Know that he loves me and he cares for me. With sin, we is cruelty. With Jesus, I have ownership. With Satan, I have dictatorship with him. So, Satan is described as a raging lion walking about seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter chapter 5. He cares nothing for his sheep. Jesus again says in John 10 verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I take great comfort in knowing that Jesus knows me. They're very doing my life, whether I'm asking to, with him for forgiveness, whether I'm trying to meet challenges that I have to overcome in my life. Any times that I, I felt negative, it is great to reflect on that. In times that are good, it is great to rejoice in that. As his sheep, I have complete trust in the decisions of the shepherd. And David reflects that in Psalm 23. Regardless of the consequences, I do not turn and follow another way. So he's talking about the Lord being a shepherd, and then he says something about himself that follows on it that is very uh, encouraging to reflect on. David reflects, I shall not want. So are there any questions that anyone wants to bring up so far on the shepherd imagery? I, I cannot believe that I have exhaustively covered that imagery. So if anyone has additional comment, please do not be afraid to speak up. Thank you. I shall not want the stomach, you know, help everything decide. Oh, Peggy, you can help You will have enough. There is no lack of spiritually. It does not mean that he will not have to go through difficult times. And there, but God will supply us all through that. A great comment, Peggy. Anyone else? Dina. It's a picture of serenity still, isn't it, though? Think that they have provided. They are enough. You know, and it's interesting to reflect on verse 2 in that, because when he, when he describes the, makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. I try to picture that in my mind, right, to get what this psalm is talking about. What, I see a sheep, it's eating grass, it has enough. It's a sheep that's very contented. It's well fed. Um, beside um. Uh, the still waters. Um, let me start with, uh, no desire to be anywhere else than where it's at. Yes, Rachel. sheep that they have to have green uh, grass, green vegetation to eat in order to survive. Uh, but as well, when it comes to drinking water, they can't have raging water, moving water to drink. They have to have still water to drink. Spiritually speaking, that is true, the relationship we have with God 
and with Christ. We want the green grass, we want the still waters that the sheep have, it is to be found in Him. Okay. They can't be driven, the sheep must follow as well. And this is one of the things that made David such a, a great ruler, was this was the attitude he had with uh, his people. He had looked at them as being a shepherd over his flock as a shepherd, and he looked over the people of his nation that same way uh, as well. So he, oftentimes, when we, in political terms, when people are described as sheep, that has a negative connotation to it, right? Because it brings the idea of manipulation and so forth. But that's not what David was. When he talks about sheep and about people, he's talking about his view of them as being the shepherd for them and, and caring for them and leading them um, in that way. So, um, so we go to the statement, I shall not want. And, and Peggy brought up this, this great observation on this, that David says this, right? That doesn't mean that our lives won't be full of struggles. Let me ask a question. How do I know that? Exactly, because David had struggles in his life as well, uh, plenty of them uh, throughout his reign, and yet he could, at different stages of his reign, and yet he could pin these words uh, still uh, that his contentment was not shaken by outside uh, turbulence. No other place can I be content or can I be complete. And that is a theme that's reflected all throughout the Bible. It was something that David's son Solomon reflected on after looking and trying out different things in life for pleasure and for happiness. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon reaches his conclusion with these words. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what he's talking about life is about, he said this was the conclusion of the whole matter. Paul writing to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, and one I keep going to time and time again, verses 11 through 13. And Paul's another individual that had gone through a lot of stuff, a lot of suffering in it, and yet he could pin these words. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Timothy 1 verse 2, towards the end of his life, he looks to the future and he makes this statement. For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. This contentment, this serenity, is also reflected with David in what he's describing in this psalm. Something we cannot allow to other things to fill this void in our heart and to be able to get the benefits that David is describing. Here we come to God, we walk with him perpetually, we partake of his provisions. That is an interesting thing to think about because it's one thing to say it, but in real life it's another thing to try and put that into practice. I struggle with that sometimes. I don't know if you're like me, but I think it's part of the human experience in that. If we're not content with God, it's not because he has not given it to us. It is because we have not been willing to receive it. So there are different things that come up 
that I deal with. And see if you think along these lines too in your life. Sometimes I get worried about the future. I worry about life. I worry what's ahead. And I need to take a pause. And I remember though I'm worried about life that I walk with the one who is the author of life. And that spiritual contentment is mine. Sometimes I, I go along and I'm disappointed in myself with what I've done or what I have failed to do. And I have to come back to Psalm 23 and to other Psalms and remember that the shepherd of who I'm under is gracious and forgiving to me with his attitude and how he deals with me. Sometimes I look around myself and I find myself to be discouraged by the world or I may be discouraged by the situation that I'm in. I go back to Psalm 23 and to other passages in the Bible and I reflect that the good shepherd gives heart. In the end, all wrong will be made right. And so we get to the next verse, verse 2. We covered that pretty much. It reflects us being dependent on him. This imagery of green pastures and still waters reflects the rest that we have um, with God and with our Savior. Um, Let's go on next to verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. We've made observation in verse 2 that the shepherd provides provision for his sheep. Right, we talk about him feeding them. He makes sure that they're well fed. Oh, no, you didn't. Ah, well, I have to speed things up just a, a tad bit here. Uh, but anyway, another thing that the shepherd does in caring for his sheep is just not just supplying them with their need, but he takes an assessment of his sheep's disposition. He takes it to heart. He knows when his sheep are weary. He knows when they're anxious. Or he knows when they're downcast. And the shepherd responds to that. And we see that reflected in God. Uh, that is what uh, David is describing. He says, he restores my soul. He restores my wayward soul. And as a leader, he provides me with guidance. He provides me with truth. And I trust that he never misleads me nor betrays me. Jesus has said that he is the good shepherd. Uh, so, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a switch that's been made here in this psalm that's very subtle. You might not notice it. Uh, he's been talking about the Lord and uh, talking about he in verses 1, 2, and 3, but we have a switch. He's going to the second person in verse 4 towards the end of it. He's saying, you are with me, your rod and your staff. Um, the first couple of verses, it seems that David is making commentary on his relationship with God, but now it's getting more personal even here in verses 4, 5, and 6, as if he's writing a prayer to God uh, here in this part of it. So in the areas of Palestine that we're talking about with the sheep, Dina made the observation that there was, you know, you had to get them grass uh, here and there uh, for them to feed. So uh, you have uh, some rocky places, some dangerous mountains uh, that are in there. The sheep have to be led through dark valleys. And different dangers abide in that that we could think of, right? If we come to leading sheep, um, you could have uh, predators, wild animals to be afraid of. You would have uh, avalanches. Um, Fierce storms may come up and the runoff water and flooding would happen. Or just, you know, 
You got to watch where you step. It's precipice there in certain areas that sheep could hurt themselves. And yet the shepherd leads them through this. Uh, the Lord. God leads us ourselves through dangerous times, even through the times of death to help us get to the other side. It's amazing when you get to this part of the psalm how often this part is read at funerals uh, for loved ones and so forth and the encouragement that that provides there. So it talks about his rod and his staff. They comfort me. The shepherd's rod used in defense of the sheep uh, to protect them from dangers. Um, His staff that is uh, used for uh, assistance uh, with the sheep, uh, providing help there. So... We are made for God, and we need his presence for comfort and protection from evil. And I reflect what the Holy Spirit wrote through John in 1 John 4, verse 4, where he told the Christians there, he said, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's true about the shepherd that we serve. Now in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So he prepares this feast of blessings in front of his very enemies, and these enemies can only gaze at the feast uh, that is going on. Scribes, he has have anointed my head with oil, meaning here I shall not want for encouragement and acceptance. We talk about oil here, we're talking about perfumed oil that you would see in the Middle East um, quite a bit, used for hospitality, expressing favor and happiness. The highest joy that one receives with this oil, knowing that uh, this is an honor that is given by the host. Another idea that could be in that too, if we're regarding to the shepherd and his sheep, is maybe that this is oil with healing properties. It would treat cuts and bruises that the sheep might have. Oh, and then we have that last phrase that's so short but so so great at the end of verse 5, my cup runs over. (laughs) We're not dealing with a stingy shepherd here. We talk about God. My cup overflows overflowing peace that I have with him and blessings. What more could I want? It's no wonder that David wrote, I shall not want, in the first verse. And then finally, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, when we talk about this verse, um, dwelling with the house of the Lord. We're talking about a continual fellowship with God. David is describing this as going on to the end of his days and for eternity. He can look at the past and he sees the love and the care and the goodness that God has provided and the past foretells the future uh, that he has. This is a statement of resolve, a statement of core dedication that David has here. And in it is an implied promise that God will be gracious to me. What he's describing here is the greatest of all blessings. So, as we close this morning, then with this last verse, we need to ask this question at the end of this psalm. Ask, what is your future? I hope it's this verse. I'm willing to sit down and to reflect that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and what that means to you. I hope you do. Again, we will see each other next week to continue this theme of David, David as a shepherd and the compassionate heart that he had and how we apply it to us. You're dismissed. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address 
to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.